We didn't have all the coffee shops. We didn't have all the little home and gift stores. We didn't have even your little specialty tea shops and things like that. So I think if you invest in your community and people know you and they know how you love what you do, they start spending their money here instead of taking in other places. And once people see that, then I think it helps other people want to open their own business. Welcome to Better Together with Costi Epifonsiv, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Costi Epifonsiv. Hey, y'all, it's Costa. Today, I'm here with my guest, Kim Johnson, owner of The Painted House and founder of 100 Women Who Care Cookville an impact-driven nonprofit dedicated to providing resources and financial support to outreach organizations in the Upper Cumberland. Kim, there's something so timely about your story and how the Painted House started that I think will resonate with our listeners now more than ever. You decided to start this business after being laid off during the recession. Tell us about that experience and what happened. We were living in Nashville. Okay. In Nashville, and then we were in Franklin a little bit. And we decided after I had my second son to move back because our family was from here. We were from tech or had went to tech. You know, we were both working at home and it was so silly to be in a city and not have any of your family there. So we were like, you know, let's just let's move back. Let's be close to family members. So we did. And after we did about two to three years after we moved back, the recession hit and the company that I worked for at the time, it was um, a big corporation merged with another company. Uh, it was another bank. Okay. And so they uh, decided to let my whole division go. Which, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I've been there 14 years. That's a long, long time. Right. So when we did that, <laughs> I had about a year to think about what I really wanted to do. And I realized, you know, when I traveled with work before, I was hitting all the antique stores and thrift stores. And, you know, I used to yard sale with my mom growing up and even in my early 20s, the Nashville flea market was like a big thing for me to do every weekend. So, uh, you know, maybe um, I'll just dabble in that a little bit. Had a friend and we decided we were going to start <laughs> selling things out of her basement. So we would buy things, repurpose them, paint them, you know, sell them to friends and you know family. And we were at the Nashville flea market one weekend and Meryl Rose had seen us and she's like, what are you going to do with that? And we're like, well, we're going to make this big like toolbox into a planter. So she's like, Sweet. Oh, okay. All right. She goes, would you want to be on the show and talk about it? And I'm like, sure. You know, so we get in the car, we're driving home. I go, she's never going to call us. There's no way. Well, Monday morning she called and she's like, um, we want you to be on the show. And we're like, we don't have a, a license. We don't have a place to sell things out of. They can't be coming to your basement to buy things, you know. Mm-hmm. We decided to get a place to rent, uh, found a place, got our business license, and it started out as a partnership with a good friend of mine, and it just went from there. After that, we decided to be open like once a month. So we chose three days out of the month, bought things over the whole month, repurposed and painted and then would sell it in three days. So we're like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, I had a year to really think about what I wanted to do. So maybe this will work. So after doing it about four months, she was like, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. And I'm like, well, maybe I should turn this into something that I really love. Yeah. You know, you think about if you can do something you love, you work harder at it. 
it doesn't bother you. It doesn't seem like a job to you. So I think that's kind of where we got started. Was it called the Painted House before? It was. Okay, nice. So right off from day one. Day one. You know, and I am curious, like in that environment of 2008, when all that stuff was happening, and when you said you were in banking, were you like a loan officer or what was your job title? Well, at that time, I was actually servicing employees. So okay. I was a technical service person. Sure. Uh, so they would call in and say, I'm having a you know an issue booking this loan. Um, I'm getting this error code. And so I'd have a dual monitor and be like seeing what was going on with it. We would fix the issue. But, you know, I'd, I'd had several other roles. Okay. I used to travel with them and train new employees and be in the branch and uh, just a lot of different things. But at the time, it, that's what I was doing was like a technical yeah. person. And, so. and did you grow up in Cookville? Um, I'm actually from Crossville. Okay. Um, Very my husband's cool. from here. We both went to tech. Okay, great. So it's 2008 and you have obviously no source of income and you decide to get into antiques, which is a huge divergence from kind of the technical background that you were working in, right? I mean, you're, you know, essentially working behind a computer screen. Mm hmm. Was it difficult to make the transition into working for somebody versus owning your own business and doing something that is much, much different than anything you've done in the past? Well, you know, the company I worked for was, they micromanaged. Okay. So, you mean, your calls would come in, you would answer the call, you would fix the problem, you do a ticket, and I'm sure that's probably maybe similar to what they do now. And, you know, I used to deal with a lot of mortgages and things like that, too, so you could see people that would invest in things and then and it fail. And then when you did that, it kind of, you had to be very cautious about how you spent your money. Was it worth it? Is it something people want? So that I think helped me, you know, financially, especially start the way I did, because we started with, I'll be honest, we started with $1,500. We split it and we just started reinvesting that money sure. back into the business and so I probably didn't pay myself really the first couple of years. Okay. I had a great support system at home, had my year severance. So, you know, that's what was the great thing is I, you know, he, it, my husband was very supportive. You know, I watched an interview you had with Michael Akins in 2021 and you said something that really stuck out to me. You started the painted house in part because there weren't many small businesses in Cookville. How has the landscape of small business in the Upper Cumberland changed over the past 15 years? You know, that is a great question because when I first started, you know, it's been 12 years ago, roughly, we didn't have all the coffee shops. We didn't have all the little home and gift stores. We didn't have even your little specialty tea shops and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think if you invest in your community, which I had so much support, you know, I was word of mouth. I didn't do hardly any advertising because I knew I could save a little bit of money that way. Mm -hmm. So once you do that and people know you and they know how you love what you do, they start spending their money here instead of taking in other places. And once people see that, then I think it helps other people want to open their own business. So the things that you sell, you know, we were talking about it earlier. It's very relevant in the period of time. You know, it's not like you're picking things from, you know, 10 years ago and bringing it here. You very much have the thumbprint kind of on the on the heart of what will sell in Cookville and what people want. And I think honestly, it's kind of like when I talked to Tatum Hill and she was talking about how she, you know, makes decisions and gets inspired by interior design. The products that you sell, you're bringing a very classic higher end product to Cookville and people are like, "Yes, I love that. I thought I could only get this in Nashville." 
was that the original mission or did it evolve over time when you realize like I can take, you know, one of those little houses with the glass all around it and the little green lawn balls or whatever you call it and put some, you know, lights in it and it turn into a centerpiece on a dining room table? Well, I think, you know, my taste has changed. I think your taste changes and evolves it, you know, evolves over time. Sure. So I think, you know, just having that and wanting to bring things here that maybe you had to go to Nashville to get. And, you know, I have a lot of Nashville customers that come in and they're like, I can get this here and it's much less expensive. Yeah. You know? So, you know, and I think that attributes to that is the rent here is less expensive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's just I just have a lot of, you know, a lot of Nashville people that come. Interesting. Yeah. One of your biggest pieces of advice to entrepreneurs is to start where you are and build with your business. What does this look like for you as a business owner? And how did you know it was time to grow a team or invest in a larger space? Well, funny you should ask that because I think I was pushed into it, to be honest, because, you know, I had all these customers coming in and they would say, are you going to be open more than, you know, three days a month? Mm -hmm. And so I would change it to three days a week. And then it was four days a week. And then I was like, how am I going to build my business bigger if this is really what I want to do and succeed if I don't have a bigger space? And the building that I was in, uh, my landlord actually said, you know, I think I'm going to sell this property. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should buy this property. So I had somebody come over and look at it and they evaluated it. And they're like, well, we can't build out. That's the only problem. We can renovate it. And then it just got me thinking. And I was talking to my husband about it. And he'd always want to own a commercial property. I said, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is what we need to do. And I said, the only thing is, is I need you to be okay with me, you know, being open six days a week Mm -hmm. because this is a big commitment. Right. He's never complained since. So I think having him in my corner and um, being able to do that, he was excited for me. He knew I loved it. And that was, it was time to do something about it. And we found the perfect property for that. You know, I have three levels and a workspace and storage. How'd and- you find something so amazing like that? I mean, where you guys are at and this, the house itself, you know, obviously, and your name is the painted house. I mean, it looks beautiful. How, what's the story behind it? Well, the painted house, a lot of people think the John Grisham book, the painted house, mm-hmm. but back in the 1800s and early 1900s, if you had a painted house, it meant that you had made it, that you actually nice. were above poverty mm-hmm. and that you actually, and that's what the whole preface of the, the store name is. It's not a wood house. It's a painted house. I love it. And where were you guys before? We were on Spring Street. Okay. In a little bitty house. And you went from how much square feet? I guess we were probably 900 square feet there. And we have... Probably 3,800 of regular uh, retail space. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So, and have you, did you guys have to hire a lot more employees as soon as you moved into your new yes, space? Yes, I had full time employee. We okay. hired full time. And um, at one time we had seven employees. And so, and then they come and go, you yeah. know, because of um, everybody going to tech. Sure. I hope that they've learned and been able to take what they've learned with them. Are there any businesses, to your knowledge, in Cookville that do what you do, that sell the type of products that you sell? Because I I personally don't think that there is. I think you guys are extremely unique. We have a lot of everything, I guess. Yeah, so, And right? you know, and my thing with having a lot of everything is I want somebody to come in and be able to buy at least one thing in there. Sure. Whether it be a $5 card or a picture frame, or if they want new bedding, that's great. But I want anybody of any age to be able to come in and buy one thing. And if they can do that and 
that's my goal. Let's talk about people that can buy anything because people <laughs> can buy anything yes. online. And most of the time, they can buy it for less. So as a small business owner with a specific market and audience, what's your advice on attracting the right clientele and serving their needs? You know, when you buy online, it's hard to feel it. It's hard to touch it. When you get it, you don't know what the quality is. And I think a lot of people now want to go in and look at things and hold them and touch them and feel them. That's the whole point in having a retail space. So it's the experience and creating a story in every room that you have. I only have one question before we move on to your nonprofit. How embarrassing did I sound whenever I was trying to explain that product? <laughs> the glass house with the little <laughs> lawn balls and the uh, string lights inside of it. Because I, the reason why I brought it up is because Jessica did go to the painted house and bought, she, she buys stuff from there all the time, but she bought all of the accessories to make it, you know, into what I described it as, mm -hmm. which I thought, you know, it, it came like that. But anyway, long story short, if anybody's listening to it and they're like, what is this guy talking about? Just go to the painted <laughs> house and you can build your own table centerpiece. Definitely. You got it. Good. You got it. Let's talk about your nonprofit, 100 Women Who Care Cookville, which has already raised and donated $30,293. First of all, congratulations. And second, what inspired you to start this community? Well, a friend of mine, uh, actually one of my best friends out of Knoxville, is a part of a similar group. And, you know, we would talk, we talk almost every day. She owned a store in Knoxville. And when you have that partner, you really, you know, you're bond with them. So mm -hmm. she would say, hey, I've got to go. I'm going to this meeting. I really want to go. I've worked all day. And But then the next day she would be like, it is so amazing. We were able to give this much money. I learned about this nonprofit organization. And I was like, ooh, I really want to do that here. I think we have the community to help support it. That's how I got started. So we started 100 Women Who Care Cookville. Uh, we have right now 44 members, and I'm hoping to reach the 100. Okay. So if anybody's interested, reach out to us. So what happens when you reach 100 members? Well, after you reach 100, we're able to give 10000 a quarter. Uh, so that's 40000 a year to any nonprofit uh, around the community. That's amazing. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not the decision maker on that. It's the members. So yeah. you can nominate all through the quarter, however many you want. We choose three out of a hat if there's mm -hmm. more than three. And then we vote. And I don't ask that you come for hours and hours into a meeting. It's a 30-minute meeting once a quarter. We try to invite the nonprofits to come in and give a three-minute speech on why they need the money. And then we just vote and that's it. So when you get to 100 women, do you have to change the name to like 150 women who care Cookville or is it, you're going to keep it at 100? I'm going to keep it at 100. But the more we have, the more we can give. Absolutely. How can women get involved? Well, you can visit grapevine.org um, and our 100 Women Care is on, on the website. And we actually have an Instagram page. You're welcome to visit us there and message us. If you message us or even call the shop, we can send you a link to sign up and give you more information about it. And how is it different than the other organizations that have kind of a similar vibe? But I want to make sure I say this correctly. It's like a woman-based organization. It's a woman-based organization or women-based organization that if you don't have time to volunteer, uh, we're all busy. A lot of us work still full-time jobs. Sure. I want you to be able to give and not feel like you're obligated to come to the meetings even. So I just think 
because you are there, you learn about these nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And that's important to me because there's so many, I had no idea how many we had in the area. And if you learn about them, you can still give back to your community in a small way. And if you pull your money together, you can do even more work. And I'd say a lot of the success that Cookville has is because we have such a philanthropic nature. You know, I mean, you see it obviously in in some of the worst of times, like when the tornado happened and literally the entire community, you know, came, whether it was volunteering with their own labor or resources or financial there is a an energy in this community and we won't get into politics but i'm just saying <laughs> i think a lot of the problems that we face as a society if people were more philanthropic we could solve and mm-hmm. cookville is a great example of that definitely i agree i think there's something so special about the entrepreneurs turned philanthropists in this area and i think it speaks to the growth mentality and leadership you bring from business into service What's your message to other entrepreneurs who are interested in starting their own nonprofit or service organization? Do it. Um, No matter what you can do for your community, just do it, whether it be your volunteer work, donating money. If you can, you know, have small events just to raise money, do whatever you can. It doesn't have to be a big thing or you can do small parts to make it big. Are there any specific nonprofits that you think are really needed in this area right now? Oh, gosh, there's so many. We hope we gave a lot of the money that, that actually need them with our organization. Mm-hmm. But there's just too many. I, I don't I can't even tell you. And it's that's what the hard thing is, is when you go into there and you're trying to decide who gets the money and and what they do for the community. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I can't tell you the one that sticks out more than any other because they're all important. So. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Who is someone that makes you better when you're together? I would have to say my husband. He's been the biggest support. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafontive. If you've enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsive is a Costa Yepafonsive production. Today's episode was written and produced by Morgan Franklin. Post-production, mixing, and editing by Mike Franklin. Want to know more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsive.com. We're better together. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views and opinions expressed during this episode are those of the individual speakers and do not necessarily represent or reflect the official policy or position of this show, its producers, or any related entities or advertisers. While our discussions may touch on various topics of interest, please note that the content is intended to inspire thought-provoking dialogue and should not be used for a substitute for professional advice. Specifically, nothing heard on this podcast should be construed as financial, legal, medical, or any other kind of professional advice. We encourage our listeners to consult with a professional in these areas for guidance tailored to their specific circumstances.